What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And here with me, as always, to uh, revel in yet another uh, exciting time to discuss an upcoming 49ers game, uh, my fellow Niner Noise contributor, Akshaz Dovadula. Akshaz, how's it going, man? It is all good, Robert. I I don't really want to say this because I feel like I do this every Thursday, but <laughs> I am I am what's it called? I'm looking at the Thursday night football game with some additional interest, you might put it, yeah. perhaps. So yeah. um hopefully hopefully the Chiefs um kind of pull away near the end here, even more than they're playing now, because I have yeah. I should say I have an alternative spread that requires them to be playing much better than they're playing right now. Even at 16 to nothing? Yeah. Which is what the current score is. Wow, that's sad. Um, well, we need to, might need, need to get you a, a like gambling counselor or something before this is all <laughs> over. I don't know. Just saying. Um, gosh, uh, the, the, the husk of Russell Wilson. How did we lose to him last year? Like, oh, man. Like, that is looking more and more embarrassing the longer, the further we get away from this. And it's, like, truly... And it truly seems to be that he is like gone, gone. Like <laughs> he was like a shade of himself before he left Seattle, and now he's not even that anymore. So, uh, nonetheless, uh, just 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 so you're aware, he's nine of fourteen for fifty-seven yards at the end of the third quarter. So great job. And an interception, him. right? Um, I I believe so, yes, the two interceptions. Yeah. Uh, two oh interceptions. He has a quarterback rating of. A quarter rating of 33 right now, so he's doing great. Um, but this is not a Russell Wilson talk uh, or anything like that. This is uh, 49ers, uh, Niner Noise podcast, so we're going to stick it right there. Um, obviously, um, as fans, I think we're still uh, enjoying and uh, basking in the everglow of, uh, of the victory on Sunday night. Um, the 49ers players not allowed to do that because they have to move on pretty quickly and um, you know, they probably got to enjoy it a little bit on Monday and then it's time to 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 worry about the next opponent. 
And that next opponent, of course, is the Cleveland Browns. The 49ers will head to Cleveland to take on the Browns. It is a uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time game. We already discussed this. And actually, it's a really cool thing that I just discovered. I don't know if you saw this, but um, it is the it is like the Fox's like major like 1 o'clock time slot game. So mm-hmm. much so, and I'm not really sure what's happening. It's showing here in the East Coast in like Panther lands. Like there's one little slot. I, th- I think it's like in the, the Falcons area, basically where they're not showing this game, which I think is pretty cool. Cause normally I don't get to, you know, sit in the comfort of my own home and watch the the football game. So I'm pretty excited about that. Then I don't have to like travel somewhere to, to watch it. But, um, is that, do, do you find that the same to be where you are? I am in the opposite boat because I got Sunday ticket. So, I uh, worry okay. when they get the mesh, but it's a good day for me too because the Bears. So for those of you who don't know, I am in the Chicago area. The Bears are playing the Vikings in the one right. o'clock slot as well, the twelve o'clock slot here. So I luck out. Perfect, perfect. Um, well, world. that will that will be excellent. So um, I'm going to get into the, the the ins and outs of the game here in just a minute. But before we get too far along, um, it's another week uh, for the 5-0 49ers, which means it's another ac- accolade for one of their players. This time it comes for Fred Warner, uh, the NFC, NFC's Defensive Player of the Week. Um, and as we already discussed, um, we, we we really think that this this game was sort of his initial like launch into the discussion for defensive player of the year in the entire NFL. And, you know, I think it, it, I think it looks good to have a couple of those defensive player of the week awards on the resume as you start, you know, moving towards the, 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 the back end of the season, you can say, okay, what have you done? Okay, well, here's what I've done. So um, well-deserved, obviously uh, Warner was playing really well on Sunday and flying all around, had a sack and interception to force fumble. Um, the sort of trifecta of uh, of defense of defensive plays, I think. Um, so good to see that the recognition continues uh, for uh, 49ers. I think now they've won one of these player of the week awards pretty much every week of the season thus far. Um, so that's that's good to see. Yeah, I mean, so a little plug for our previous episodes, if you listen to our recap of the Cowboys game we like gave Warner his flowers and then some but he's just (laughs) he's so good I I can't there's no analysis I can give you I can just say he's so good and you're definitely right these are kind of the things you need I think it helps that he was really good on a day that Michael Parsons wasn't honestly I know you we talked a little bit about how they have these whole like the narratives kind of come up Bosa got his last year, and then it was like, oh, Micah's so good, he'll get the next one. I think if I had to put the top three, it's Micah, T.J. Watt, who's phenomenal in Pittsburgh right now and is getting the numbers to show it, and Fred Warner. And, you know, we're obviously biased here. We make no no second guesses about that. I think Fred Warner <laughs> should win it. I think he, like, changes football games in a way that no other player in the NFL can really do especially at his position, but, you know, it's a well-deserved honor and hopefully many more to come. Unless Nick Bosa wins them. Yep. I will never be mad yeah, if Nick Bosa fine. also wins them. It's a little flip back and forth. Maybe we'll throw you know, Mooney Ward a, a bone every once in a while. That'd be nice. Um, 
But um, yeah, I think this is going to be this is an exciting time for the 49ers as they head into the final stretch of games. If you know you divide this the season up into into uh, kind of quarters, as it were, um, they they ended up with a really nice bye week this year. It splits up the the season about as much in half as you can. Obviously, with it not being an even number of games anymore, you can't quite split it in half. But they'll play eight before the buy and then um the remainder of the schedule another the rest of the nine after so it's pretty good it's not it's not the worst um it could be you know the, like the teams who are coming off a of buy this week such as the Cleveland Browns um who we'll get into in more detail here in just a little bit um no major roster moves to note uh for this week which is strange like the 49ers have remained uh, generally stagnant. Um, although it is interesting to note um, that the uh, that with the arrival of Randy Ge- Gregory, um, there does seem to be some scuttlebutt around the league from from various sources that suggest that the 49ers are not done making trades um, with uh, with uh, an eye on possibly continuing to improve their team. I know we talked about the Patrick Sertain uh the second uh thing last time out um it it doesn't seem like that's going to be the move um but i don't know i with 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 gregory up in kind of moving in and my goodness that that, that guy is like super link long i did not realize that he was so huge like the pictures of him that are coming out of practice and like he's just like very very tall um and very lean and it'll be interesting to see what he adds to the to the mix but i don't know just uh, we don't have any roster roster moves this week, but are there? Would you be surprised at this point if 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 the Foy Venters made another trade? Maybe not at that like highest end, highest end to like go grab. Because I, again, I don't know that the the even if the Broncos are 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 giving up on the season, I don't know that they're going to punt completely on the guy like Patrick Sertan at this point. But do you think it's it's all done? Is was that the only move that we expect to to make before? Because their their bye week lines up really nicely, right, with the with the the trade deadline. So they'll have lots of time to just be like, huh, what should we do? I mean, I think Gregory falling in their laps makes it easier for them to be like, that's the headliner, and we're done from there. But right. I definitely think there's another move to be made for the cornerbacks. Like, the dream is certain, but I don't think that's happening. I don't think the Niners can make an offer good enough to get him, given, like, how if all goes well and with Pat Sertain, you get another element to kind of guarantee it. That first-round pick is 32. That second-round pick is 32. Like, that's not a lot of value for who might be short list of top cornerbacks in the NFL, but... I was thinking about this a little bit for an article. Another guy who I don't think would be traded, but might be a little cheaper than Sertain, but also very good, J.C. Horn from your neck of the woods mm-hmm. in Carolina. Yep. He'd be a great addition. Other than that, I mean, I can see them swing like a fifth-round pick, fourth-round pick for just someone to insulate that secondary a little more. But I don't know. I'm sure they'll be trying to hunt for that big name because – they seem to realize that like this is the year to make mm-hmm. that move, get it done, and then like you scale back a little bit afterwards. But yeah, I don't know. I my hope is certain. I'd love Horn as well, but 
I think anyone just to this is nothing against Ambry Thomas, but just to make sure that Ambry Thomas isn't playing meaningful snaps, with, <laughs> like for this team, I like I think a move is definitely worth it. Yeah. Um. So for the record, uh, the the in the lead up to the draft, because uh, J C Horn came out the same year that was drafted the same year the tra- that of the Trailians pick, if I'm not mistaken, is that right? Um. Yeah, I think that's correct. Um. And my I was I was like on the let's draft J C Horn at twelve or wherever we were at that particular point before the trade was made, and I was like, okay, well that's out the window now. <laughs> not trading up to three for for a cornerback. Um, but some, I'm totally on board there. And the, the Panthers are in a weird state. Like they're the only winless team in the, in the NFL, but also seem to think that they still want to make trades, like bringing in people as opposed to, to sell. So we'll see what they do. That'll be really interesting for sure. All right. Um, injuries heading into this game. Um, 49ers eh, pretty good shape for the most part. Um, Elijah Mitchell finally back at practice after a couple of weeks of, of not being able to practice, um, was limited on Thursday. That's, you know, that's good news. Whether or not he is able to play on Sunday, whether or not if he's on the active roster, if he can, if he's going to be a factor, especially given the way that Jordan Mason's played the last couple of weeks with him being out, um, remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, I, th- you, you kind of think they're going to be really careful with him. Um, cause again, even if he's not producing at this particular juncture, he's certainly a guy that would be nice to have later in the season, you know, as other players are, 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 are wearing down a little bit, you know, give, give, throw Mitchell out there, uh, completely, uh, fresh and ready to go. That might be a nice little change of, of pace at certain points. Um, Aaron Banks seems to have avoided a major injury. There was conversation a little bit about maybe he tore a pectoral muscle, which would have been the end of the season for him, but it seems to just be a shoulder and he's, um, he was day to day. He was in limited, limited in practice, uh, through uh, this weekend on Thursday. The one sort of negative alteration to the injury report was Drake Greenlaw did not practice on Thursday uh, with a hamstring injury. Uh, Shanahan noted that he hopes that he'll be better on Friday, and I, th- I think the expectation is that he'll still be good to go on Sunday, barring any major changes. Um, you you kind of think this is more like precautionary than anything else. But other than that, the rest of the team seems to be... Um, pretty healthy and ready to go. Um, no news on, on Gregory's health status at this point. So we kind of assume with, uh, since there's no in designation of any kind that he'll be ready to be part of the team. I, I, I don't know. Like this is, it feels a little different to me. Like, I guess if he were a, a quarterback or if he were a wide receiver or something like that, then you'd be a little more concerned about throwing him into, into situ into a situation, having only been with the team a couple of days, but I don't know, as a defensive end, and especially somebody who you can just kind of throw in there as a pass rusher and situationals in, you know, certain, you know, pass rushing situations, I, I would be really surprised if he doesn't play on Sunday, I I think. I totally agree. I'm, I was actually going to say, like, sneak him in as my reason for optimism for this game, even though that makes no <laughs> sense, because I'm so excited for him to... Um, to play for this defense, I think. Yeah. He's it's like Corsac's like defensive line and the 49ers defensive scheme allows their defensive linemen to just hands down get after the quarterback, get after the 
running back. And I think you mentioned how long he is, how lanky he is. He's incredible bend. He's got some speed that they were missing on that defensive line. I think he really ties everything together. If he can stay healthy and not get in trouble, he can be a huge addition. So hopefully we get to see him a little bit. I think, you know, if there are two things this 49ers defense needs, and needs is like biggest air quotes you can imagine, it's <laughs> um, it's a guy like Gregory, and it's a guy around the same level as Mooney Ward to just like create an unstoppable secondary. I like it. Good. Um, any, I mean, obviously concerned about Gregory Law, and if he can't go, that would be a pretty big loss um, for this team, but also long season kind of thing. I don't know what, what, what you think about that. Well, so I'm a little concerned. I think Dre is almost certainly like a top 10 linebacker in the NFL right now. So that's a high level player. You don't really want to have missing any snaps. I'm more concerned because I have the gut feeling that the depth chart goes Fred, Dre, Oren Burks, Demetrius Flanagan fouls, and then the rookies. That would be mm-hmm. really annoying if Flanagan fouls is getting starting snaps and Oren Burks is getting these. Like, Burks played well against the Cowboys, so I can't really, like, complain too much. But the only reason why I wouldn't be super worried is because if it means D. Winters or Jalen Graham gets to get on the field, because I think those guys are electric and against. Um, we'll get to this when we talk about Cleveland's injuries against what will likely be a compromised Cleveland offense. It's actually a pretty good place to get the rookies some run. So I would love to see them play. I think they could be, it would be super like refreshing. And I think it could add an interesting element to replace what Greenlaw does. But since I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen, it's kind of, it's a little more, a little more worrisome. But it's a long season. I don't think you need Dre Greenlaw to beat the Browns offense. And if you do, then we have some bigger problems here. So I wouldn't (laughs) push it if I were the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm sitting at this point, especially especially because it's an injury that seems to have come kind of out of nowhere. Like he didn't didn't practice on Tuesday. No. Wednesday either because of but it was like a they noted as a veteran rest day and then all of a sudden he's not practicing on Thursday and it's an injury so that would be a little concerning but um yeah just something to watch out for um speaking of the Browns injuries uh they are um not not like the most injured team on the planet they're the number of players on their injury list is not massive but um they do have some some key players that are that are out um or that seem to be uh on course to miss the game um we'll start with Deshaun Deshaun Watson quarterback um who suffered a shoulder injury gosh it must have been week two right is that how far back it goes at this point um yeah I think that's I think that's correct um in their week two uh loss to the Steelers um because he missed the week three game against the Titans. Um, is that right? Hold on a second. Let me. Now that I, I said that, and now I'm not sure about that. I think he might have hurt himself in week three, now that I'm saying that out loud. Um, this is 
this is really good quality stuff, right? <laughs> I'm staying on top of it. Uh, no, he played in week three. So it, it must have been something that happened during that game in week three. Missed the missed the week four game against the Ravens, um, which we'll, we'll get into some of the details of that in a little bit. Um, and then uh, they had their bye week last week. And so it's a weird situation. Like supposedly he's been medically cleared, but he, because it's his right shoulder, he just hasn't like, he's not, I guess he doesn't feel comfortable throwing the football or whatever. And so he'll miss his second straight game and technically his third straight week because he hasn't practiced through any of this either. So he didn't, I assume he didn't practice leading up to the the Ravens game. Um, So Anywhere like in September 26th range is about when they would have started practicing for that game. And it's now this game's coming up on October the 15th and he still hasn't like thrown a football so far as, so far as I'm aware. Um, that's got to be something concerning for Browns fans for sure, but he'll miss the game. Um, but the, the weirdest part of all this is that they have a, a, a rookie quarterback on, on their roster as the backup and, um, uh, one Mr. Dorian Thompson Robinson, who, if I'm not mistaken, was the like MVP of of the preseason, right? Like, uh, he was like Mr. Electric. Um, everybody wanted to to. <laughs> I think there was some calls for like the 49ers to draft him because he just you know draft a quarterback every year kind of thing. Um, but uh, he started the game against uh, the Ravens in week number four. And apparently it did not go well. Um, so uh, Mr. Uh, Dorian Thompson finished the game 19 of 36 for 121 yards. He was intercepted three times and sacked four times for a quarterback rating of 25.3. Um, I mean, they didn't get much of anything going to be, to be frank. Um, they, they didn't run the ball particularly well either in that game. Um, ran the ball 25 times for 93 yards in uh, the loss to the Ravens, managed just three points. So apparently that was enough for the for the, for the Browns coaching staff to say, nah, we're not doing that again. So the scuttlebutt is and nothing nothing has been announced. And I don't think they've actually like officially said that that because they don't have to say it till till Friday that um, make the designations that Watson's actually out. This is still just reporting and, and, and that sort of thing. But the, the speculation is that PJ Walker, who is on their practice squad, will be elevated to the active roster and will start the game, which th- that's going to be like the first time that's ever happened in the history, in the recent history of this new, of these new practice squad rules, uh, squad rules. He's it's, it's strange. Uh, I, I've never heard of it before. I don't understand if you want him to be your backup quarterback. Why wouldn't you just have him on your roster? It's kind of interesting. Um, he was in Carolina for a couple of years. Um, off and on, you know, was has played in other leagues and that sort of thing. But you know, he's 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 got some electricity to him. But he's he's certainly was he's on the practice squad for a reason. We'll just we'll just say that. Um, it's it's a it's a weird situation, is is it not? I mean, I just wonder what the like logic is for starting him against the Ravens, who have a great defense, by the way, despite all the injuries. And then just going, yeah, that didn't work. Let's not start him again. Like, <laughs> if the it's if you're first saying start, his first NFL start didn't go well, okay, well you're done. Yeah. Like if you're saying, ooh, you know, the Niners are a good defense. Let's not make it hard on you. You know, let's ease you in. 
Then why'd you start him against the Ravens? I mean, this just reeks of like, wow, that was bad, and we can't do that, so let's try something else. Which makes me more interested in how um, the Deshaun Watson situation is going to play out. Just because I feel like if you're cycling through backup quarterbacks right now, like this, okay, this is not like reporting. This is just wild speculation. But it feels like you do that only because you're trying to find a consistent like guy to take those snaps when since Watson won't be playing. And that doesn't seem like the thing you do for like a smaller injury. That seems like a thing you do because like you're not expecting him for a while. So I mean, I don't know. If I was the Browns, I would start DTR again. I feel like there's at least a chance that he plays. That well, he's going to play better if he plays because <laughs> it's very hard to Maybe. play as bad as he just. Well, never say never, but I think it's very yeah. hard to have as bad a game as he did. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe so we can be totally wrong about this, and PJ Walker could light the world on fire. But I kind of you kind of know what you're getting with him, and it's like mm-hmm. I hate to say this because. The guy I'm going to compare him to is such a great guy, but it's really like Josh Johnson where, yeah, you know, like he plays quarterback, things can happen, but it's not going to, it's not going to work out. Like, it's just not going to work out. <laughs> so like there's a limit. There's a reason why he was on the Browns practice squad and no one's active roster. That's not just because like the Browns offered him like a great deal on their practice squad. That's because like um, probably not. he he couldn't he couldn't get like a backup gig, so I mean it's good for him. Hopefully um, he takes advantage of his opportunity in other weeks, not this one. But I <laughs> I don't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't get it either. Like you you drafted this kid as theoretically like somebody who might be able to be a part of your team and then you throw him out there against a good defense and you're like, eh, that didn't work. Instead, we're going to, we're going to bring in this kid from the practice squad. Who's almost 29 years old and is um, in seven starts in the NFL completed less than 58% of his passes um, thrown just five touchdowns against 11 interceptions. Um, And um, has, is averaging. Let's see. A hundred and oh, excuse me for his for his uh, for his career. He's averaging ninety seven point four yards per game. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, that, uh, no fault to to uh, to the kid. I don't I don't know what happened. What happened there? That's 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 a real shame. Um, you know, he's a rookie. He's a fifth round player. He, you know. It's 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 interesting. I don't understand it, but anyway, a um, couple of other injuries of note for the Browns. Um, starting guard Joel Betonio, I believe is how you say it, has a knee injury. Um, there was some like strangeness going on after their game um, last week or two weeks ago, I guess at this point, because um, Betonio was seen on crutches after the after the game was over, and there was like, okay, well, what's going on? And um, apparently. Throughout the bye week, it was not improving. And so uh, he has a knee injury and he hasn't practiced this week. Um, we'll see what happens uh, on Friday. And once they make that designation, not looking good for him, though. Um, same for uh, David Njoku. 
uh, the tight end who has suffered some burns, I guess, is what 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 happened there. So he's got like injuries to the to his face and to his hands. Um, he has not practiced this week either. It'll be interesting to see if they feel comfortable enough, just you know, without practice, just kind of letting him go out there and whether or not he'll feel comfortable enough to to play and what that circumstance will be like. That will be really interesting. Um, running back Jerome Ford was limited on Wednesday, but it was full practice. He's got a knee injury. Um, they've seen limited practice from Evan Tochik, uh, Posick, their uh, center. He's got a whole. They've li- they got him listed as a chest, knee, and foot, which that doesn't seem really good at all. That's like the entire middle part of your body uh, plus your foot. And then um, they just added uh, wide receiver Cedric Tillman uh, to the injury report. He did not practice on Thursday with a hip injury. So again, not a lot of guys on that list, but. Um, uh, it's certainly problematic. Oh, I also didn't mention Miles Garrett didn't practice on Wednesday and was living it on Thursday. He's got a foot injury. He'll probably play. That's just one of those things where they're probably just keeping him fresh for the game. I I just really don't anticipate a situation where they're just like, oh, man, he's just not going to play, whatever. Um, but it is, uh, again, not a long list, but it is certainly a concerning list from a Browns point of view. And we didn't even mention... Someone who we don't want mention because he's on injured reserve, right. Nick Chubb, who is like the engine of that offense. I mean, yeah, Petonio is huge because Hargrave and Armstead and even Kinlaw played so well this year. Pochich for the same reason, and like Miles Garrett's gonna play, like you said. That's like if he doesn't play, you can almost just call the game over. Of course, the NFL. <laughs> every you got to play every right. week, but yeah, he is um. It's a lot of heavy hitters at some important positions they need to play against a 49ers team that has a lot of strength, but missing your starting and like your best offensive lineman and your left guard and missing your center, they're already on their backup right tackle. I, mean, I was going to say Jack be, Conklin is also out for the year with the he suffered in the first game of the season too, so. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of it could get ugly. It 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 certainly could. Um and uh there there's a lot of reasons to for to think about that. So I think that's a good transition, as we are so uh apt to to do, uh to start talking about our reasons for optimism and our reasons for concern. So Akshaz, as we always do, we'll start with you with your reason for optimism, because that's the way we like to go. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I mean, I think it's just the defense versus offense matchup that gets me so excited. Without Deshaun Watson and without Nick Chubb, the Browns off and without Antonio potentially. The Browns offense kind of loses its teeth a little bit in a way where they'll definitely move the ball a little bit. It's very hard to hold the team down for 60 minutes, but we just saw the 49ers eviscerate the Cowboys offense and 
especially starting P.J. Walker, with the exception of some scrambling and a little more mobile concerns. <clears throat> they'll have the they should have the same opportunity. So I just think no matter how the Niners offense Browns defense matchup goes, which is again, if you like think back to what we were talking about last week with the Niners Cowboys, that was like the big, big deal. That was the really interesting, super cool matchup. I think this week is the same thing, but I'm way more confident that the 49ers defense will change the game against the Browns offense. Yeah. Um, so just, just for a point of clarity, as you were, as you were talking about that, I was, I was like, Hmm, I wonder actually what PJ Walker's, uh, rushing numbers look like. Um, so for his career, this is over the course of 15 games, seven starts, as I mentioned earlier, 18 carries, 50 yards, um, no touchdowns, five first downs. So he's averaging about 2.8 yards per attempt and 3.3 yards per game. So it's not... (laughs) It, it might be something that he is more apt to do in certain circumstances, but the those numbers would suggest that he's he's not that's not his game either. Um, so um, interesting to see how that will kind of play out. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, this this Browns offense was already struggling um, with with nick chubb out because he was the you know he's the engine he was going to be the engine that made this thing go which is bizarre because they gave their quarterback a fully guaranteed contract a couple of years ago and yet they have to lean on on their running back in order to make it work um like at all like and since he's been gone it's been just falling apart so um i found this um rather lengthy uh set of tweets from uh nick wagoner who is the espn nfl reporter for the 49ers um and he did a couple of of long tweets he must have he must espn must have paid for the uh the extended uh version of twitter for him uh and he did one where he broke broke down the browns offense and then he did one where he broke down the broke down the browns defense um so a couple of of key stats that that stood out to me here um so as, as far as uh, EPA per play, which is expected points added um, from the offensive point of view, they're at negative 0.16, uh, which is 31st in the NFL. So that's that's not good at all. Um, 30th in pass uh, by that same metric and 23rd in rush by for per EPA. Um, obviously, missing Nick Chubb is not good there. Um, they're not getting running game going. Uh, they're the, the guy who's taken over Jerome Ford, who we mentioned earlier, um, leads the Browns. This, this is, this one just boggles my mind, leads the Browns in scrimmage yards per game with 68.65.8, which is 47th in the NFL. But this is where it gets really good. Actually, uh, the 49ers have three players averaging at least 75.6. So Jerome Ford <laughs> it would would be in fourth place if you were on the 49ers by his current metric, and yet that leads the Browns. Um, Watson wasn't even really playing all that well anyway. Um, he was 32nd in the NFL in off-throw target percentage, which means his accuracy has been struggling. And really, that was something that we saw last year, right, when he came back after being suspended for most of the year uh, and then coming in, and just he didn't seem like he was... Um, he was very successful with that accuracy. Um, they are, um, they're not particularly good in the run game. They're not particularly good in the pass game. Um, did it, Njoku, who we mentioned before, 
uh, is their leader in yards after contact, but uh, ninth in the league, not too bad, just behind somebody named Debo Samuel. Um, and while their their offensive line is generally considered solid, obviously missing Betonio and missing Conklin is uh, going to make that even more complicated. Um, they Betonio has been really good this this season, as is Wyatt Teller, their other guard. Um, but they're they're pretty good in their their pass blocking, their 11th in pass block rate uh, win rate, but 24th in run block win rate, um, which that that number stands out to me a lot. Actually, sorry, because like in order for the Browns to kind of stay in this game, they're going to have to be able to control the ball. And if they can't run the ball like at all, it's going to be very difficult for them to do that. Just, you know, just look at what the, what happened to the, to the Cowboys last week. They couldn't run the ball at all. And it forced Dak Prescott to, to turn into a, a, a thrower throughout the entirety of the game. Part of that was the game. They they fell behind really early. And you have to you have to look at that and you have to go where <laughs> where how are they going to be able to figure this out? They weren't doing particularly well with Watson in the first place. And now you throw in another guy who's who's probably not going to be an improvement in any of those areas. I mentioned P.J. Walker's career completion percentage is under 58 um, percent. So if Walker's struggling, you, you don't get the impression that or sorry, if, just if Watson was struggling, you don't get the impression that the P.J. Walker is going to be an improvement in that particular area. So, yeah, I mean, it's the offense doesn't seem to have any juice. Um, I think if Nick Chubb were still in this game, that would change the dynamic of this a lot. Um, but he's not there and the, they just don't have they just don't have the horses anymore, I guess, is the kind of easiest way of thinking about it. I mean, they do have, you know, good players on that side of the ball. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there is some value there. Amari Cooper is a good player um, on the offensive side of the ball, obviously. Um, so. There's there's something there. Marquise Goodwin is a uh, is a Brown, uh, which would be interesting to see. Um, Kareem Hunt is is a player that they could they could use, but he's not been usually particularly useful since they brought him back. Elijah Moore, who was with the Jets before, is um, a part of their pass, uh, their passing offense. But it all again, it all comes down to the fact that if the quarterback situation isn't working and if they're going to struggle to protect um, and to run the ball. I just don't know how they're going to be able to stay in this game. So this is, so just for context, EPA per play kind of starts at zero and negative means a defense is like one a play as a defense. You want right. to have a negative EPA per play. That means the Browns defense has offense has actively helped defenses by playing, which is just absurd. <laughs> and I mean, right. I didn't want to say this, I felt like I was saying this for the entire first four weeks, but in terms of this offense defense matchup, it's one of those, like that they're just too good. The 49ers offenses compared to the Browns 49ers defenses compared to the Browns offense with how many injuries they've sustained the Browns. They really just don't have the guys to kind of keep up. Yeah. Yeah. 100, 100% agree. Um, and that that's going to put them in in a in a very tricky situation. However, um, it the, the the sort of juxtaposition of this situation is super interesting. In that, um, the flip side of this is 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 very curious. So um, I'm sure that your reason for concern is going to be very close to mine. So 
I'll let you let you kick it off. And I think I have a, I have a feeling that we're we're going to be in the same general ballpark as far as this is concerned. So I almost certainly because the Browns have the number one defense in the NFL by yards per play allowed by defensive EPA. They're like electric on defense right now. So I'm going to pinpoint one player, Miles Garrett, who I think is, in terms of sheer like physical ability, the best edge rusher in the NFL. Not saying he's the best overall, but he is like an athletic freak. And he can do things that like, he might be one of the only players in the NFL who can who can mirror and like kind of challenge Trent Williams for freakiest like big person in the NFL because he is really good. And they have Zadarius Smith, a player who I think we had discussed over the offseason as some of the 49ers could potentially be interested in to round out their pass rush. And together with that and Jim Schwartz kind of calling the shots on an aggressive wide nine system, similar to what the 49ers have on their defensive line, they create havoc. And if there's a way to throw off an offense, it's by really getting after him. I think the one thing the 49ers offense has done that has been super, super beneficial throughout these like first five games is even against Dallas, maybe allow one sack, two sacks, no interceptions, no bad fumbles. You know, you stay ahead of the chains. If it's not there, you throw it away. You don't beat yourself. And eventually the dam breaks and they score 30 plus points. And I think the concern is the Browns defense has both has the sheer like athletes to keep up with some of what the 49ers do and has a defensive line that's as good as the Cowboys and could potentially cause some major problems. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exactly kind of what I'm, what I'm looking at. It's, this is a, a defense where you look at it and you're like, there are players at every single level, right? Their defensive line is very good with, with Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith. Their interior defensive line is also good. Um, they got a couple of of of, of guys. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson is on that that interior. Uh, Jordan Elliott also there, um, and it makes them very good against the run, um, which of course is what Shanahan is going to want to do, right? Establish that run, make sure that they're that's something that they're paying attention to. Um, now, unlike last week against Dallas, where the defensive front is certainly the strength of the Dallas defense. And then the secondary, especially with Trayvon Diggs injured, was something that you thought you could pick on. Uh, the Browns have have two very good cornerbacks in Denzel Washington, in Denzel Ward, sorry, and Greg Newsom. Um, and that that is the kind of uh, you know situation that the 49ers would like to be in because they are both good enough players that, as you noted, Jim Swartz, uh, their defensive coordinator, who has um, you know been a thorn in the side of 49ers. Um, player uh, games past uh, uh, in recent memory, but he allows them to, those two players allow him to kind of do whatever he wants with the front because he feels confident that they're going to be able to hold up uh, their end of the bargain. Um, so that is something to watch out for. They're pretty good. Um, they're, they're really strong against the run and it'll be interesting to see what Shanahan does with that to try to combat some of those things um, that they do. Now, that of course is is problematic, and um, 
it is it is something that you're going to have to to watch out for and to see what what the the scheme is going to be to try to 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 overcome some of these players. Um, there are a couple of sort of silver lining things, and again, this comes from from Nick Wagner. Um, so thanks to him for <laughs> for doing some of the legwork here. Uh, their defensive struggle seems to come with play action, which of course we know is uh, play action passing is a big part of what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. Uh, they're giving up nine and a half yards per attempt against play action. Uh, that's only good for 25th in the league. Uh, Brock Purdy currently averaging 10.6 yards per attempt with play action. So that might be something that we're going to see from the 49ers. A lot of action movement. I mean, that's something they do on, on the regular anyway. But they, the Shanahan might see this as, okay, that's something specifically that we can attack this defense with. Um, of course, the problem with play action is it takes a lot longer um, to to build up. And if you're concerned about somebody like Miles Garrett wrecking havoc, then that might be something to be a little concerned about. Um, the other thing is that um, for some reason, this is sort of a strange thing. The Browns are not particularly good in in yards after catch. They're 31st in the league in, in uh, a lot yards per catch allowed at 5.81 per reception. It's 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 sort of difficult to figure out where that came from. Wagner mentions that a lot of it came from a chunk play against the Steelers. Um they of course have only played four games, so it's somewhat difficult to to ascertain some of this information because their sample size is a little shrunk compared to the rest of the NFL. Um the other thing to keep in mind too and I know this is the reason for concern, but I'm you know, I'm trying to give the silver lining of the concern. Um, is that the quality of the teams that they've played thus far, you know, uh, the Bengals were clearly off it in week one. The Steelers' de- offense, well, we we saw what the Steelers' offense is. Um, they lost the Steelers in week two. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, who they lost to in, who they beat in week three, and then the Baltimore Ravens, who they, they lost to in week four. Um, all teams that are, you know, anywhere from sort of the middle of the of the pack. I think the Bengals are going to eventually be better, and I think the Ravens are going to eventually be better. But at this particular point, they they are not they are not like it's not the strongest comp of competition. Um, and it will be interesting to see because this is certainly a strength on strength. Um, and so the, I guess to take the 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 concern all the way to its to its end, the concern would be is if the Browns' strength is a little stronger than the 49ers strength and then something fluky happens and they like I don't know maybe their offense doesn't have to do anything like that's I think that's the path to victory right for the for the Browns like their defense like totally dominates this game to the point where all their offense has to do is just kind of show up and their defense does all the work and it kind of just falls apart and doesn't look good that that I guess that's to kind of circle back to <laughs> to the concern that's I think that's where it comes I think it's an interesting because you're right. Like that's the, it's kind of similar to what we said last week about the Cowboys. It's just that the defense kind of gets your points for you, and then boom, you know everything falls apart, which is possible, right? Like, it, let's be realistic. It's totally possible. Good defenses can do that. How what I think is interesting though is that if I had to pick one particular strength of the 49ers' offense, it would be their ability to. Um, kind of avoid these hugely negative plays that allow defenses to kind of get some points, get some, get some big plays going. So even at it in its most granular sense, you get another strength on strength, which is just that the Browns have to force havoc 
they can't just be stout. They have to change the game. And the 49ers, on the other hand, have been really good about not allowing opposing opposing defenses to get that against them. Yeah. Well, and that's that if there is a sort of glaring thing that this defense has not done, it is it is really it does come down to creating turnovers. They've only created three turnovers in four games um, so far, and they haven't scored a touchdown yet. Um, in fact, as a team, they've only scored seven, seven touchdowns so far this season, uh, and they've given up seven touchdowns. Um, uh, all of those are um, against the opposing offense, except for one. Uh, no, two, sorry. Um, the uh, Steelers scored twice on defense uh, in that particular game. So it's very interesting <laughs> to see how that played. So they've, again, not a lot of scoring from this offense, which, of course, makes you concerned. And um, while the defense certainly has the capability, I think, of of turning, uh, of, of wrecking enough havoc, you do have to kind of look at that and go, okay, they only have one interception on the year and two fumble recoveries. Like, that's... It's a pretty low number considering this this defense is doing just about everything else right on on defense. And so if you have to look at that and go, OK, they're not likely to do that. Um, and so it comes down to can they keep the 49ers down? Could they keep the 49ers down completely throughout the entirety of the game? And I think you kind of have to bet on 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 the 49ers who have done it better and more consistently throughout this year so far. I would agree. I mean, I think there's. I, we can kind of move into our predictions. I think at the end of the day, I last week, I thought the 49ers were going to struggle. I thought that their strength, their offense was not going to be good enough to match up against the Cowboys. I was wrong. I was really, really wrong. <laughs> I've never been were so you? wrong. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. We don't have to talk about it I too noticed. much. It's, it's, it's like... But, um, I don't think I'll make that same mistake this week. I think almost certainly the 49ers offense is going to struggle. I actually about to make a bold prediction. I'd say that Brock Purdy has his first interception this week for no other reason than I think I know absolutely insane to speak into existence, but I think it's fair. It's going to rain. I think there's a 50% chance of rain. It's muggy weather. It'll be a little miserable. It's a morning game for the 49ers. Like, they just beat the Cowboys, like, silenced a bunch of critics. Now everyone's coronating them five weeks in. I mean, there's if there's a definition of a trap game in the NFL, I think this is it. It's not mm-hmm. even like the NFC. So all these things lead me to say I predict a final score of 17 to 6. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's not a lot of points. Um, I, th- I, th- I think that probably holds up. Certainly I'm going to go a little bit higher than that, but I think I'm, I'm right there with you that, um, that there's, there's just not going to be a lot of points, um, from the Browns, uh, at all. And I think the 49ers are going to figure out a way to score more, a, a significant, more significantly more points than, than Cleveland. Um, I'm going 24 to nine, um, which you know means probably that they're going to keep the 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 Browns out of the end zone, which I think is a pretty likely a pretty good likelihood. Um, that would be that would be good. Um, that's something they have not done yet this season is keep the opposition out of the end zone. Uh, so I'd be I'd be all in favor of that. Um, 
But yeah, I, I just again, it could be a similar thing where you're you're right in line there pretty for most of the game where it's like 10 to nothing, 13 to nothing for a really long time or 13 to three. And then, you know, the Niners maybe crack a crack another touchdown or or two or, you know, 10 or point a couple more more scores late in the game. Like I could see it be similar to that. Of course, that's also what we said last week. And guess what? We were wrong about that. Um, I mean, I, I, I tend to I, I was thinking about that, that idea of a trap game. I, I tend to think the Minnesota game next week is a little bit more trappy simply because Minnesota seems to be like falling apart um, in a inside of itself but you know we can talk about that next week but um yeah that's actually I mean, I, that's a great point actually because not sorry to just jump in but i will say that they might come to play only because i think this defense really enjoys the idea of like being better than other defenses yeah. and that might compel both them and the offense to kind of I think they like enjoyed the fact that they dropped the Cowboys down the defensive rankings quite a bit. So they kind of want to do that mm-hmm. for another team. So that might that might bring some extra fire in their step. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of like cockiness about this team. Like it, they seem to they. they I mean, at least not from what they're saying. Obviously, they could be feeling it and they could be projecting it in a different way. Um, but every week they come back and they're talking about like, oh, well, you know, we didn't do this and we didn't do that and we can do better. And we're all looking at it and going, well, yeah, they're kind of right. Right. <laughs> like we talked about this earlier in the week where like they scored 42 points and probably could have scored 60 if they had absolutely wanted to um, against the Cowboys on Sunday. And I, I, I think that that is a sign of a team that's like we're we we are well aware of the fact that anybody can beat us, but we're not going to let it happen kind of thing. At least that's the way it's been so far. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and of course, uh, I, I mentioned something last week or last episode about the, uh, prediction that I, uh, prediction piece that I did for, um, them remaining, uh, the 49ers remaining undefeated at least through the bye week. Um, and I did say the word at least or the phrase at least in the piece there once, maybe twice, um, just to indicate that, you know, you know, maybe it could be longer, but um, that I, I, I could see a situation where that that holds to at least get them to eight and no. So that would be good. Um, all right. Ox has uh, any uh, parting thoughts before we uh, wrap this one up and get the people ready for uh, for the game on Sunday? Honestly, just it's kind of it's a fascinating like your piece, which is incredibly well reasoned. It's kind of absurd to think about that. You can safely say, yeah, I think this team will be undefeated heading into the bye week and probably more. I mean, if we look at the schedule, right, they really have to worry about Philly. I think that's the mm-hmm. one game where that's your that's a big question where it's like, okay, what are they gonna do? How is how's that gonna play out? But other than that, I mean we we're talking about a team playing the best defense in the NFL statistically by far. And we're hedging like how much they'll score, but we're still safely predicting a victory. I think it's kind of easy to get lost in how good this team is sometimes and not realize some of the stuff we're saying is absolutely insane that they're this good (laughs) and that this is something that we're talking about. So 
honestly, I think it'll be a fun game insofar as I think they'll win. I actually think it'll be a kind of boring, messy, think 2019 against the Commanders. Weather kind of ruined everything, but it was still fun because, you know, they well, were they were a fun gate team and they won the game. And there was oh, a slip and slide at the game, end. Right? Yeah, no, just... I wasn't. Uh, Chris, Chris was at that game. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he was just talking about how miserable it was. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah. But that place I mean, is also a disaster area. <laughs> <laughs> to summarize, I mean, they're, they're absurd. They're such a good team. They play so well. And I mean, it's just, they're so much fun to watch. You never really know who's going to go off and how it's going to happen. But something incredible, something record-breaking happens whenever the 49ers are playing football this year. You know that that is true, um, and it, it's it's kind of a funny thing to think about. But it, it it like every week that this goes on, that they truly are like setting a new record every week. You know, Christian McCaffrey's on the on the tail of um, gosh, who was I think oh, a couple of like like Jim Brown and some other person for most consecutive games with a touchdown, including the playoffs. Um, it's 15, by the way. Um, so he's right there. Uh, if it if it was regular season, what did I see? He would have to score a touchdown every week until week 11. LaDainian Tomlinson has that record for most consecutive regular season games with a touchdown. Um, and you're just like, and, 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 I, and I was reading that today and I was like, yeah. I feel like he could do that, right? Like you're not, you you know, you're not batting an eye at any of that. And you're just like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. He could score a touchdown, at least one touchdown every game until week 11, which this is week six. Um, and just like walk away with, with that, with that record. It's just, it's just kind of crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, I think it, it should be hopefully a, a fun game to watch from a perspective of like, we're not going to have to worry about the outcome. I've I've really enjoyed that part of of this season so far that other than like the Rams game, there hasn't really been a moment where you're like I'm terribly concerned about how this game is going to end. And even then, that score, I think the 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 game probably wasn't as close as the score the final score indicated that it looked like it was, right? Um so I'm enjoying that. It's been it's been good. So <laughs> um Akshaz, thanks again for uh for being here and for chatting uh with us about um the game i'm i'm excited to to actually watch the the game and hopefully it won't be too wet there um but thanks uh, to you uh out there listening t- for listening to this episode of the niner noise podcast part of the fan-sided podcast network uh please continue to check out ninernoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis and stuff from akshaz and myself and and all our other lovely writers and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. 
for the ones who get it done.